There are three things about the book of Revelation. Firstly, that it's very easy to find. It's the last book in the Bible. Secondly, it's a prophetic book, which means um, that it foretells the future sometimes, but always foretells, that tells God's message um, for now. And that's now of the listeners then, and now for us now. It proclaims an instruction um, or a command. It might be an encouragement, it might be a rebuke, and they're all part of God's message to us. Is it loud enough? Yeah, good, sorry. Um, prophecies can often be poetic, and the, certainly the language in the book of Revelation is very poetic and very striking, even more so than in other prophetic parts of the Bible. Um, but, but like the books of Ezekiel and Daniel, which have also some striking prophecies. And thirdly, the message is, is a revelation, and that gives us a clue in the English name. It comes from the Greek, apocalypsis, and revelation means unveiling, revealing, revealing truth, disclosing things that were hidden or unknown before. In this case, God's plan for eternity. I don't know if you're like me, but when I was um, in my 20s, people used to sort of mention the book of Revelation and they'd sort of suck their breath in and say, oh, very difficult, and then start talking about these complicated theories um, of what it means and all the symbolism. And I thought, oh. And then for some reason, I just started dipping into it and just reading little bits and God spoke through it, and there's some lovely, lovely encouragements. Um, it's all about Jesus. And I know that when um, Tabitha, my, our niece, was dying a few years ago, I just clung on to the promises in chapters 21 and 22. So there's a lot there. So don't be put off by some of the very graphic images. Um, just, you know, have a go and read. And God's message is about standing back and hearing what the overall message is. It's not getting bogged down in the detail, so we don't think we have to analyze every single symbol. Don't need to. Okay, let's pray. Father, I just pray that you'd speak this morning, that you'd speak to our hearts, and that you'd use the words that, um, that I say, but that we would each be hearing from you. Reveal yourself to us today. In your lovely name, Lord Jesus, amen. <coughs> So what is Revelation? Who's it from and why do we need it? Um, the first few verses of chapter one, just before the reading that Lauren kindly read for us so clearly, um, tells the purpose of the book, and that's to show the events that must soon take place, which is God's plan for eternity. And the messenger is an angel who was sent by Jesus to present the revelation to John, um, who then became the eyewitness and recorded the message. <coughs> So the message is actually from God to Jesus, then Jesus presents it to John in the form of visions. And then John is called upon to write it down so that it can be shared, first of all, with the seven churches in Asia. And um, we've got a slide of the seven churches that are mentioned. 
But seven, as you may know, is, is the perfect number. It means completeness. And so when anything is seven in the Bible, you just it's a flag waving saying that it's special. So it's not just to those seven churches um, of Pergamum, Smyrna, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, and Ephesus. It's to the whole church through the ages. So it's for us. And the urgency of the message, it's about events that must soon take place, um, is underlined because there's a blessing, and it's one of seven blessings, of course, in Revelation, um, just in verse 3 before our reading, which was that anybody who read aloud this prophecy, who listened to it and took it to heart, what, what is written in it, um, would be blessed. And at the time, the Christians were being persecuted, and even more severe persecution was on the way with emperor worship um, under the emperor Domitian. So it was very relevant to them. And the recipient of the message is John. And it's generally seen that it, it was the disciple and apostle John, um, who's now an old man and has been, um, is, is on the island of Patmos, which you can just see as a red blob on the map. Now, John is on the, on the island of Patmos, not because he's on holiday there, um, it's because he's been exiled there. And he explains um, further down that he's, it's because he's, um, he, for the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, he's been forced to go there. Now, when John launches into his letter to the seven churches, we have to remember that the believers are suffering and they're being persecuted. And John begins with greetings, and he gives them a bit of a sort of shot in the arm, a boost. He reaffirms who the grace, that grace and peace are coming from God the Father and his eternal nature. He says, him who was and is and is to come. It's from the Holy Spirit, who mentioned as the seven spirits before the throne, and that's the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah, it sort of talks a bit more in detail about that it's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And of course, we know the Holy Spirit as our counselor sent by Jesus to, to be with us, within us and with us. And it's also from Jesus, who's the faithful witness and firstborn from the dead. And that's a messianic title. And that goes back to reference in Psalm 89. He's also the ruler of the kings of the earth, and that's a reference to things that are going to be coming in the second coming. And John reminds the listeners of what, John, what Jesus has done for us. Jesus loves us, and he's freed us from our sins and from the past, and through the sacrifice of his own blood, he's done this. And he's also made us to be a kingdom, priests, to serve his God and our God and Father. So whatever difficulties we're in today, whatever uncertainties we have, whatever pain we're maybe facing, our positions as Christians are that we're loved, we're free, and we're called to serve. Then John um, looks to the future and to Jesus' glorious second coming, and he closes and says that everyone will see him. And that's just reaffirming what's going to be happening and just encouraging the Christians in their difficult situations. And then he closes with a greeting with the words of God in his eternal nature. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. There's security in God, and he doesn't change. 
So if in, um, in Revelation, if we could see all the different references to other verses in the Bible as different colored threads, it would be such a multicolored page. We just see bright colors all the way through. And um, I'm not, there's not time to go into any of that, but it's very rich. And as we read the Bible, we'll see, we'll pick up our own links and remember things from another part that's actually being referred to in this book. Now, John, of course, understands only too well what the Christians are going through at the time, what they're suffering. And he calls himself your brother and companion in suffering, in God's kingdom and in patient endurance. And those are actually three themes in the, in the book of Revelation. And it's a threefold message. It's assurance. Jesus is who he says he is. It's hope in the future, despite our present difficult circumstances. And it's our role as priests rooted in our relationship in Christ. So assurance. We see this book is all about Jesus. Um, it's a bit like a film, isn't it? If you imagine you're standing there, you're John, he's worshipping, he's in the spirit, then suddenly he hears a sound, a loud sound like a trumpet behind him. And um, he turns and he sees seven lampstands. And then amongst the lampstands, he sees this glorious figure, dazzling white, um, dressed as a priest um, with, a, with a gold band and white hair and his eyes like flames of fire, his feet shining like brass and his voice like the sound of many waters. And it's completely overpowering. And John does what Daniel does in, when he sees a similar revelation in the book of Daniel, he falls down as though dead. And Jesus is awesome and holy and brilliant and glorious. But he's standing, you notice, among the lampstands. And later on in Revelation, it tells us that the lampstands are the churches. So he's not standing distant. He's right there in amongst us, with us. And then Jesus, in his, just his kindness, just placed his right hand on John and told him not to be afraid. And how many times he's done that to you and to me in, at different times? Told us not to be afraid. It's all right. And he reminds John that he's the first and the last, um, same as God the Father. He's the living one. He was dead and is now alive forevermore. And there are all sorts of other religions who've got dead founders. But Christianity is the only one who's got a founder who died, who rose again and is alive eternally. And of course has been there all the way through. Plus, Jesus is in control of death and hell. And it's that kind of assurance um, that Jesus is everything he said he was and is that we can completely trust in him, whatever our circumstances are, whatever we're suffering, and in some cases, in, in parts of the world, whatever we're suffering from persecution. And this is a newsletter from June 2010 from Open Doors. It's about um, Pastor Zhang Rongliang, who has been imprisoned in China for almost 30 years, and his wife, Chen Hongtian, who are just two people suffering for their faith in Christ today. Now he's chronically ill, he's partially para paralyzed, but Pastor Zhang has found the strength to minister to others in jail. And he says, there are former high-ranking officers that are prisoners in my cell. Their hearts were hard, but now they have softened, and they're willing to receive Jesus as their personal savior. That's the reason I am here. So he's willing to accept where God has placed him in order to reach those who would not have heard of Jesus otherwise. And his wife, Chen, cut off from family and friends and under constant surveillance, 
she's been touched by support and prayers of other Christians around the world, some of whom do it through this organization, Open Doors. And she says, I don't feel bad because my husband is in prison and my children cannot stay at home because the authorities are after them. This is the price one has to pay as a Christian. So that's an encouragement for us to, to give thanks for what we have in this country and the many freedoms we have, and also to, to link up with our brothers and sisters across the world who are suffering, and just to remember them in our prayers, because our prayers make a difference. And then we come on to hope. We sometimes feel that history is kind of going way out of control. We've seen that in our economic situation, their concerns around the world in all sorts of different ways. But in Revelation, Jesus clearly shows us that he is in control. He's giving orders, he's giving instructions, and he unfolds the plan of history. And this is described in vivid imagery later on in the book, but the meaning is clear. Jesus, the glorious lamb that was slain, is the only one who's worthy to open the scroll and reveal God's final victory over evil in the world. And the promise of a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more suffering. And then thirdly, our role rooted in relationship, our role as priests in God's kingdom. And we're all called to this. It's not just vicars and pastors. We're all called to be priests in his kingdom with a role, with an identity, with a close relationship with the king, with Jesus. And much of Revelation maybe is spectacular in its imagery, but it's not just a spectacle to watch. We're called to be active participants, to engage in God's plan and serve him. And we, of course, stand in the gap between God and the world um, in all our different situations for people who don't know God, don't recognize Jesus, don't know love and freedom in that way, um, so that we can bring God's love and truth to them and to, to those in their lives that touch on ours, that are around us. So chapter one is sort of giving us all of this. It's an introduction to the book of Revelation, and it's the only book in the Bible that helpfully gives an outline of itself. In verse 19, John is told by Jesus to write these things down, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So what he's seen is John's account of the vision and what, what was spoken to him. What is now are the letters to the seven actual churches in Asia in chapters two and three, and we're going to be hearing more about them from Ian and others over the coming weeks. And what will take place, future events of the final battle and judgment and the promise of a new heaven, and that's in chapters four to the end. So there's quite a lot for us to take in, but I just encourage you to go home and just quietly read chapter one of Revelation to yourselves. And imagine you're there with John, hearing and seeing what he saw, and then stand back from it and just feel the overall message. Ask God to show you what he wants to say to you and to me at this time, and to be open to listen and respond. This isn't just a book in the Bible to keep dusty somewhere. God is wanting to speak to us individually and also um, as we hear the messages in, from the letters to the seven churches over the next few weeks, um, we'll be hearing what God has to say to those churches, but also he'll be wanting to talk to us as a church, and there'll be things we need to hear. So I'd invite us all to go home and read each letter to the churches and ask God what he wants to say to us individually and as a church. 
And if something is laid on your heart, then do come back and feel free to share it with Simon um, or one of the leadership team, whatever. Because I believe that this is a strategic time and these, um, this book and this part of the book we're going to be studying together is strategic. As it says at the end of each letter to the seven churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, we just thank you that you seek to reveal yourself to us and you want to make things clear and you want to encourage us and to spur us on in our relationship with you individually and as a church. I just pray that you would um, give us hearts to really hear you over the coming weeks, both individually and as a family at Christ the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name.